Hello and welcome to the SLP Happy Hour podcast. Up today, we are sharing 10 things we've learned about being SLPs. These are things we've learned from other SLPs and from experience that have made our sessions flow more smoothly. They've also helped build our relationships with families and have made our jobs a bit more fun. So let's get to it. Helpful, compassionate, and actionable, the SLP Happy Hour podcast will help you find more time and ease in your busy SLP life. I'm Sarah, and I work in private practice and in the schools. I'm Sari. I work in the school setting. Being an SLP isn't about hustle, overwork, and overwhelm, but about finding calm, boundaries, and taking more time to take care of yourself when life gets rough. Using research-based happiness habits and what's really worked for us, we share ideas so that you can find out what works for you in order to find more calm, creativity, and happiness. So let's slow down, take our time, and practice leaving things undone. As you listen in, leave all those unrealistic expectations at the door. Here, you'll find easy lessons, lesson fails, SLP wisdom, and simple self-care challenges. So let's move forward with less hustle and more slowness, gentleness, and heart. It's time for an SLP happy hour. To start us out today, Sarah and I are both going to share some challenges and some highlights that have been happening in our lives these days. They're what we call our what's up and what's down And I always like to start with what's down. And for me, that has been the fact that I have been extra clumsy lately. I have been dropping things, bumping into things, spilling drinks. I have, it's like I'm going through puberty all over again. I am that clumsy. I am even afraid to use my favorite cups because I might drop them. So (laughs) that is a big what's down for me right now. And I'm trying to be extra careful, but I still end up with bruises on my legs. And uh, I know it's from bumping into things all day long. So that's a challenge that I'm trying to overcome. But the good thing, and I may have talked about this before, but it's so good. It was worth mentioning twice. I love my shoehorn. <laughs> it was something my husband purchased for me a while back because I always leave my shoes tied. And I seriously use this thing every day to put my shoes on my feet rather than jam them in and wiggle until I get the tied shoe back on. And it has saved my shoes and saved my life. <laughs> Okay, that's a little far, but I really do love my shoehorn. And when I was thinking about what's up, I just had to mention it again, because it is bringing me that much joy. And someone might have missed it the first time around. Maybe they don't know about the shoehorn. Exactly. Foghorn, leghorn, shoehorn. Okay. Uh, Let's see, I will start with what's down and a bit of an adoption update, since I think that people who know my situation are probably wondering. Uh, About exactly a year ago, the uh, travel into and out of China closed down because of the coronavirus pandemic. So I am more than two and a half years uh, into the process of adopting a child from China. I've been matched with a child. We were almost ready to travel in March when coronavirus happened. And China is one of those countries, I think Australia is similar where the borders are totally closed down. You can't get in or out. So um, I do have some very well-intentioned people who ask me for updates, but um, 
there has been no word from China for a year. Um, it's, it's just a sad situation that I don't have much control over. Um, and we would have been, you know, home together as a family for almost a year now, at least six months, basically, depending on paperwork. So this has been a hard year of grief and loss, but I did want to share that for the what's down just because, you know, it's been a year and naturally people want to know, like, what's the news? And there is none, but I am um, optimistic that um, just last week, uh, someone in China, there is... <laughs> A rumor going around that once we reach 90% herd immunity uh, between the vaccine and people getting coronavirus, we can travel. Uh, we don't know if that's true. Right now, the US is at about 40%. So that's the what's down. And the what's up is just I'm sleeping better. I uh, really think that a lot of, you know, I still do wake up around two or three or 4 a.m. like in that window, but I'm sleeping more nights a week. I've had uh, insomnia this year. And I think a lot of that is just making some decisions to change the things that were stressing me out and taking action. And so next year, and I will totally talk about this more on the podcast, but next year, my work situation will look very different than it does this year. And once I decided I was making changes and told everyone what that change was, started sleeping they say like a baby but Sarah you have a baby they don't sleep that well do they <laughs> no who came up with that phrase <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I've been sleeping um a little bit better so that's my uh what's up and when this episode airs the spring will be fast approaching today it kind of feels like it's already here and uh as our listeners know this time of year as the weather starts to turn warmer the students or the clients that we work with start to become more restless and this year is no exception to that so if you are needing some tried and true tips to help keep your therapy efficient effective and fun sarah and i are here for you to share 10 tips that we know from experience work so sarah why don't you start us off Okay, this was something my CF supervisor told me, which is when you feel lost, pick one student and one family you want to focus on. So this can help you make progress on that one situation that's bugging you the most. You know, they say like 20% of your work is going to stress you out 80% of your stress, right? So it's to put a little more time into the situation that's the most frustrating and to work on building that relationship. So that's been helpful for me, especially this year when I've been feeling like everything I do is wrong and I just don't have enough resources to do what I need to do for my job and for my kids. But focusing on one family adds to my happiness. I, I do think it helps me be a better SLP, uh, one family at a time. And so practically, what does this look like? So I might call that parent, even though I'm nervous and my hands are shaking, my heart is beating fast. I might improve that child's therapy by taking a language sample or a speech sample or trying a new activity with that student. I might reach out to another SLP friend for session or treatment ideas if I feel like things are getting stale. I might take a continuing education course about an area in which I'm working with that child. And it's a bit it's a very realistic and attainable goal. It has helped my happiness and I, I do think it's helped my kids and helped me. Tip number two, what is the child interested in? Do that. <laughs> and that seems so basic, but I think I, I tend to overplan and pre-plan and um, really thinking about my preschool learners 
so here's just some examples. One is I have one learner who loves to squish things. So we always start the session with squishing water beads into a box and it's very centering for this child. I have another learner who loves to put items in a box, dump them out and put it back in. So we have different size boxes with items. We try to put different items in the box and then we're working on in and out on a core board. I have another student who loves string. So we tie items to the end of the string and put them in a box so that when the learner pulls the string out, it's attached to something functional and we can model a word like a cup or spoon. Um, and it also means the adult can hold the item, like hold the cup. So as the learner pulls the string, the adult is holding the cup and the child might look at the adult. So um, this has been really helpful, especially for me to brainstorm with other SLPs about like, hey, my kid is really interested in fill in the blank. Um, and especially with my student who plays with the string, I, I just felt totally lost. Like, how do I, what do I do with this? Um, and that's where I got those ideas. So I think sometimes it's easy to, especially when things are busy, just start with what we normally do. But I think especially for my younger learners, and that includes my autistic students, I need to start with them and what they like. And that's something that I've been working hard to do better this year. And I found very rewarding for me and uh, happiness inducing for the children I work with. Tip number three, have at least one activity per session where you don't need to be on. So you're not the performer, you're not talking. So examples of this is like coloring or a match it activity where they're trying to find matches in some cards, um, a sensory bin. And in this activity, make sure to lift the demands. It's good for the child, it's good for you, it helps you both keep going. And I tend to wanna to pour out all my energy onto each session because I really care about the kids, but ultimately, they need a break and a quiet moment each session, and so do I. And who knows who needs it more, but we both need it. Tip four is inhale, exhale. I learned this from a friend who is super into Waldorf learning. And she used this phrase to describe a daily schedule with kids, but I've adapted it for my sessions. So the inhale is like a more challenging activity. And then the exhale is letting go something a bit easier. So I truly try ever since I heard that to make every other activity an inhale or an exhale that helps me plan my session. I found the students are less frustrated, students are happier, and that makes me happier. Uh, tip number five is kids clean up. So this is basic. I'm sure you've heard this one before and probably use it, but I do notice that when things get busy, we can tend to just want to clean up for them and we forget this one. So when my students help clean up, and set up. They are practicing a part of play. It helps students take ownership and have some level of control over what is happening in the session. And I could wax poetic about it and tell you all the reasons why it's important that kids help set up and clean up, but I'll stop for now and say it has so many just logistical, emotional, and play benefits, and it's really a must. Those are all really great tips. And um, though the one that I really connect with that I really think that I um, that I actually don't do enough is have at least that one activity where I don't have to be on. And that's probably why, especially with those back to back sessions, I can feel so completely exhausted at the end of the day. And that really ties into that inhale exhale um, tip too. And I love that analogy, definitely need to keep it in mind. 
those are all great. So I'm going to jump in with the remaining five of our 10 tips. So number six is coming from me, and that is to incorporate movement into your speech therapy where you can. There is so much research behind the importance of movement and its role in facilitating learning for children, and adding movement into our speech activities is not an exception to that rule. You will find across ages that if you use activities that require the kiddos to get up and move, they will be more engaged and will retain the skills more effectively. So ways you can do this is, for example, adding in hand motions or body movements that you pair with your articulation drills. If you want an example of how to do this, check out some of the videos that Sarah has shared on our Instagram account of her doing this exact thing through virtual therapy using hand motions paired with her speech tasks. Such a great example if you need some ideas. And uh, you don't have to use ASL symbols when you're doing this. You can use your own symbols that work for you and your student that are customized to your kid and they're great motions. Other ways you can use movement, you can have the students practice following directions that involve actions. You can have them act out a story or a sequence while you read it. Even just taking a quick movement break to do five jumping jacks between tasks is an easy way to add a little motion and help students to focus when working with you on their speech and language tasks. Number seven is to allow a few minutes before or after your speech session to check in. The relationship and the connection that we build with the clients that we serve strengthens our ability to support them in their speech and language goals. Allowing just that few minutes at the end or the beginning of the speech session for them to check in, to share what's new, share how they're feeling, it really strengthens that connection. It gives you more things to talk about, and it's also a really nice bonus way to observe their speech and language skills in a casual conversation. So um, it's, it's just an easy, easy thing to add in, only takes a couple of minutes before or after a session. Number eight, sing a song. And I do have to say, I feel a little bit like a hypocrite sharing this tip because I don't do it enough, but it's something that I really want to incorporate more into my speech sessions because it can be so effective. Sarah just recently shared with me a story about her creating a parody on the spur of the moment to Here Comes Santa Claus. That was something like, and you might have to correct me, Sarah, but it was like, here comes the dinosaur, here comes the dinosaur, put it in the box. <laughs> She's nodding, yep. And uh, so that she just came up with it and it worked. Having that song and having some, you know, you don't have to be a great singer to incorporate music into your sessions, but songs are such a fun way to practice or reinforce skills. They're good transition tasks. They're good closing tasks to help uh, reiterate what you're learning. And so it's a really, um, really simple thing that I would like to incorporate more into my sessions. And I thought maybe that you could too. And it also um, adds to our holistic learning environment for those kids who are more musically inclined. Number nine, if you are feeling stuck, ask another SLP or professional for ideas. This is something that Sarah and I really do all of the time. If there's a student that seems to be struggling making progress, or if we feel we just need a new perspective or new ideas of things to try, we will consult each other or other SLPs. And it has been a huge help for me, especially this year when I started the new job of doing early childhood evaluations, to be able to ask Sarah all of these questions and draw on her experience. 
and earlier today, she actually just texted me a question to verify something about the IEP process. So we really do check in with each other all the time. And for our listeners, if you have a cohort of SLPs in your current place of work, that's great. Consult with them. But if you don't, there are lots and lots of online SLP communities and groups on platforms like Instagram and Facebook that you can reach out to. In my experience with these groups, no question is too silly or too small to ask. Everyone treats each other with respect. And you're always welcome to reach out to uh, our Instagram account at SLP Happy Hour. Okay, and my last tip, tip number 10. Do you need an easy lesson idea? When in doubt, read a book. And this last tip is really my default for any lesson. And it's truthfully my favorite activity to do in a speech room. Books are such a wonderful resource for both articulation, sound practice, for practicing fluency skills, for incorporating any type of language target into your speech session. And if you are ever struggling to keep kids engaged with the lesson you had planned, stop what you're doing and grab a book. And those are our 10 tips. Uh, I really liked hearing your story and um, I hope, yeah, this was a fun episode to record together just because uh, the ideas are different, but they're also the same. It's like the heart of the tips is very much on um, treating the child as a whole person, not taking, you know, this speech therapy thing, this very narrow kind of data driven piece and letting it take everything over. Like we're checking in with our kids. We're trying to sing. We're trying to read. We're trying to inhale, exhale. Um, and you know, that's a lot of pressure on a 20, 30 minute session. Uh, but we do what we can, you know, mm -hmm. we do what we can when we can, and we're not using all 10 tips for every session <laughs> or every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, that would be the 11th secret tip. Don't try to do all 10 at the same time. <laughs> or even in the same day. So yes, we hope you found these tips helpful. And we do want to, before we leave you, share a segment we call Three Good Things, where we just share three pleasant or positive things that are happening in life right now. And we're adding this to the show right now, and it'll stay for at least until the pandemic is over, because at a time when things feel so heavy, it's hard to see the good and recognize the good. So this is an exercise for us, for our own mental health, as well as for you, just to share something positive before we say farewell. So uh, three good things for me. The first is a book. It's called Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman. If you've heard of the book Practical Magic, or maybe you've seen the movie, this is a prequel to that. I have now watched the movie and read the book of Practical Magic. I didn't love it, but I loved Magic Lessons. So if you're going to read one, read Magic Lessons. It's set in the 1600s in England and the United States, and it's a fun read. Number two, good thing is The Smitten Kitchen. It's a blog online and I'll link the recipe in the show notes, of course. And it's whole wheat chocolate chip cookies recipe. They're easy to modify. They're easy to make. They have tons of like oats and whole wheat and they're fun. You can just, they're for chocolate chip, but I add in like sometimes M&Ms or nuts or coconut. And you know me, I'm always making cookies. Uh, this week I made lemon sugar cookies, but that whole wheat chocolate chip cookies recipe is my standby. Number three, and you know, this is when you have to have a Acorn TV subscription and it's like a British TV subscription, but the show is called Finding Joy. 
and it's a hilarious show. It makes me laugh about a woman who's in, um, she's like post big relationship breakup. She's having a big career transition. And my husband says he can tell when I'm watching that show because he can hear me laughing from the other side of the house really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I, every time you have mentioned the show to me before, and I, it does make me, I don't need one more subscription, yeah. but this is the biggest temptation for me right now, mainly because I want to watch this show because I have heard you talk about it so much. It sounds fantastic. Okay, so um, for me, the three things that are bringing joy, I'm going to share a show recommendation too, and this one you can find on Netflix. If you um, are looking for a good romantic show, I would recommend this uh, Korean TV show called Crash Landing on You. I have actually been recommending it to everyone. <laughs> it's got all the things you could ever want in a romance, and yes, it is a little on the soap opera side of things, but uh, it's got a lot of twists and turns and really great characters that are so endearing. I really enjoyed it, and I think I plan on watching it every year because it makes me that happy. Number two for me is writing letters. Um, I recently connected with a former grade school teacher of mine, and we have been corresponding back and forth through letters and cards. And I have also been writing um, handwritten letters and notes to my grandma as well. And while it is snail mail, it feels so much more personal to get those handwritten letters in the mail. And I, especially the ones from my grandma and this teacher to see their beautiful handwriting. These are these are now keepsakes that I'm going to treasure and keep forever. And it's been a really nice thing to look forward to sending and to receiving back. And three, the little third little thing that's bringing me joy right now is uh, Burt's Bees Chapstick. Uh, a little known fact, I am a big chapstick collector. Nearly every table in my house has a, a tube of chapstick on it of different kinds, but Burt's Bees is my favorite, and it's just one of those little things. I put it on my lips, and they feel minty and fresh and smell good, and um, the weather has been really dry down here, so I've been putting chapstick on all the time, and it was just one of the things that popped in my head when I was thinking of three good things is how much I love my chapstick and my shoehorn. <laughs> mine would be hand lotion um I always have hand lotion like within we live in a you know Oregon is known for rain but we live in an area of Oregon that's quite dry mm -hmm. um so yeah I have and then I have my favorite brands and I'm ready to go so um this is not an ad but my two favorites are the Sarah V it's C-E-R-A-V-E-E -E, Sarah V um lotion and then Neutrogena Norwegian formula. So okay. wants a new lotion. There you go. Okay. All right, everyone. So we're going to wrap up now. And in this episode, you learn 10 things that Sarah and I have learned about being an SLP that have led us to more happiness, more efficiency, and greater relationships with the families and the learners we serve. So just to recap, those 10 things were number one, Pick one student and family to give special focus towards. Number two, follow the child's interests. Number three, have one activity per session where you don't have to be on. Number four, inhale and exhale with the activities that you have planned. Number five, have the kids help you clean up. Number six, incorporate movement. Number seven, 
Allow some time to check in with your students at the beginning or the end of your sessions. Number eight, sing songs and incorporate music. Number nine, consult with other SLPs if you're feeling stuck. And number 10, when in doubt, read a book. As always, if you want to find links to anything we discussed today, you can find the show notes on our website at www.slphappyhour.com and click on the show notes tab. And this episode is sponsored by the R vocalic sentences and readings, nonfiction texts in our um, Teachers Pay Teachers store. And I love using nonfiction readings for my own students. And I have a new, newer Bloodsuckers bundle, and it's sure to gross you out. And more importantly, gross out your students so that they learn and are engaged and tell their facts with their strong R sounds to their friends. So in this packet, it's a bloodsuckers bundle. There are tons of vocalic R sentences all about these bloodsucking animals and insects. There are lots of nonfiction readings. Uh, there are less structured activities. So I have vocabulary and comprehension questions to extend this practice with each reading. So this unit is perfect for groups or for students who have both language and articulation goals. I would recommend this for students grades three and up just because there is a reading element. So with this packet, you'll learn about five different blood sucking creatures. And this has been both, as my students say, nasty and motivating for students to learn facts to share with friends and family. For example, did you know the sea lamprey is a fish with 10 to 12 circular rows of teeth that, and it feeds off other fish? Did you know the vampire bat is incredibly patient and will wait until their host animal is asleep and quietly crawl towards them, like inch towards them in the night? Um, those facts and more are in this helpful, fun, and practical bundle. So you can find those vocalic R articulation readings and R sentences bloodsuckers bundle in the SLP happy hour store at teacherspayteachers.com or in the link in the show notes. And we're coming at you from Southern Oregon where the weather report is a warm and sunny spring day. When I say warm, it's all relative because it's March. But, um, and this episode is recorded on the land of the Tacoma and Cow Creek Umpqua tribes. Would you like to know when new episodes like this post? Or are you interested in getting monthly lesson ideas from us that are low prep and easy? That and more is in the newsletter. To get on the list, go to www.slphappyhour.com slash newsletter. You can also find us on Instagram as SLP Happy Hour or check out the show notes or our blog on the website. Before you go, would you consider rating and reviewing the podcast? This helps like-minded SLPs find the show and we read and do a little happy dance for every single review. So thank you. So that's today's show. We hope you enjoyed listening in just as much as we enjoyed recording it. We hope that this episode has been a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. Thank you for listening. Until next time.